Yo, welcome to Beast Podcast. And if you don't know, Beast stands for bringing empowerment and skills together. And that's exactly what we strive to do on this show. We talk life skills, we talk financial literacy, we talk personal development. All these things are going to help you be a better you. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. Yo, yo, yiggity, yo. Welcome back to the Beast Podcast. It is your host, Deshaun Beasley. On today's show, we got a special guest, former Olympian, uh, Nadia E.K., um, discussing her life journey, her life path, and um, how she basically uses sports as a platform to really share her voice. And I really love it, man. It was, it was inspiring um, hearing her story um, and, and the reasons for her going through what she went through. Um, her why. Um, I got acquainted with her um, actually an overseas trip that I went on back in 2016 uh, to play in Spain and Italy. Um, I got acquainted with Rachel. Uh, Rachel was a female player on one of the teams. Uh, I think she ended up, uh, not sure, somehow, some way, she ended up in Florida. I mean, she's been in Florida now for about four years and she connected me with Nadia who um, is in the tech industry helping uh, sports performance um, get that tool in the hands of basketball coaches. So she reached out to me about a platform that's actually a sponsor of the podcast, uh, Masters app, which is a training app where you can train with professional players. So they have professional players in the sports of basketball, snowboarding, skateboarding, soccer, you name it. It's a really dope app low cost, only $29 a month. And the workouts are pretty intense. Um, I've done a few myself, but uh, yeah, that's how we got acquainted uh, through that master's app um, and allowing me to try it out and and, and provide that resource to my players. Um, and then I decided to, to, to have her on the podcast to share her story. And because I think it, it really is inspiring, man. Like when you, when you really tap into your why and let that drive you, Lord knows where it can take you and who you can impact. So let's get right into it. Yo, yo. Uh, All right, we're live. We're live. So I'll have you uh, just go ahead and introduce yourself, who you are, where you're from, and then uh, share three things that you are grateful for. Okay. Um, I'm Nadia E.K. I'm originally from Ghana. Um, I'm a former athlete. Well, always been an athlete, but somebody that prides myself on, you know, being a change maker in the sports industry. Um, three things I am grateful for my family, love, and just having a very um, thriving career. Mm. Amen. Amen. Well, and we'll hop right into, into your career kind of. I want you to rewind like maybe, you know, 10 to 15 years. Who is Nadia and what is she doing and how does she get interested into tracking field? <laughs> 10 to 15 years. Um, so, so I was born and raised in Ghana. Um, and if I don't know how much the listeners know about, you know, just growing up African. Um, but, you know, we have a system that's not necessarily conducive to being an athlete and, being a female athlete to say that, um, you know, even in the country is just, there's no support. And so it's always, you go to school, you be the best student you can be, and then you get, a you know, a conventional career. 
And so luckily for me, I grew up in a household where my parents really, you know, encouraged me to be more than just a student, more than just to be multifaceted mm-hmm. um, and multidimensional. And so I was an artist, a dancer, athlete, everything I wanted to do. It was like, if you're going to do it, you got to do it. Excellent. So mm-hmm. that's where, you know, sports started for me at, you know, five years old. And, you know, I did everything, play basketball, play soccer, um, I didn't actually get into track till later on, but um, but yeah, it, it, it started very early for me, and I realized, you know, more than anything, it gave me the space to really define myself, have my own voice, um, and so when I moved to the U.S. for high school, it really became a crucial part of my life um, and defining who I was then and who I became. And like I said, it really gave me, it empowered me, you know, to have my voice. But I think more than anything, as an athlete you really learn lessons that some people never learn in their lives um, at a very early age, right? And so at five years old, I knew what it was like to fail, but I also knew what it was like to be, to win. And I also knew what it was like to be very successful and I enjoyed it. Um, so I think that's what shaped me to, you know, go on this journey. And I think more than anything, coming from a place where women weren't empowered to do what I was doing, I wanted to be in spaces where, you know, I could not only inspire, but have a seat at the table and change the narrative for a lot of athletes that look like myself, Black women um, in in a space where we weren't, you know, valued or, you know, we didn't have as much opportunity. So I really wanted to change that narrative to create more opportunities for people like myself. Um, So that's where sports came in for me. And yeah, funny enough, with track and field, I actually learned how to triple jump from youtube <laughs> really you yes. started, you started your, your journey of self-discovery by literally literally self-researching how to triple jump yeah i mean it was i wouldn't call it that part my journey of self-discovery i would call that well, part yeah, just yeah. like i would call that part my journey of excellence right um mm. um and so yeah, I started, I mean, it was something that I, I was intrigued by how intricate it was. I was intrigued. I think one thing about me is I love a challenge. I love to learn and I love to like figure things out. Um, and so it was really an opportunity to just learn something. And, you know, when I started, it was just something that was supposed to be fun. And, you know, by the end of my high school career, I was like, actually, you know what, this is something that I'm really good at um, and mm-hmm. established myself, you know, as top. I was like number two in the country at coming out of high school. And, you know, it's like, okay, turn it up a little bit. Um, so then I ended up going to school. I actually didn't go to Columbia because I wanted to be a track athlete. I, I went for the opposite reason because I was like, I haven't done track that long and I'm not sure if I love it. So mm. um, I actually wanted to be at an institution that I would be pushed academically. And in the, in the case that I decided I didn't want to run track, I'd still be in a place that I wanted to be. So that's why I went that route. Yeah. No, it's uh and it's interesting, like your journey. I I, I hear a common theme, just breaking v- barriers with excellence. Mm-hmm. Like going something like really not just going into it just to do it, but figuring out how you can do it to the best of your ability and then mm-hmm. how that's gonna lead you. Uh, because that does end up leading you to other chapters in your life and in your story. I mean. You just said you wanted to be challenged academically, so you went to Columbia and yeah. you had a great career there, you know, breaking records there. And then um, and then if you could, like, walk us through that process, like, after college, I'm sure 
uh, as most most athletes go through that that period, like, you know, you graduate college, uh, you were involved in, you know, collegiate athletics where you had that camaraderie and things like that. Now you're out of college. Now what? So like what was that that thing that you kind of started to get into um, after college? Yeah, let me just backtrack a little bit, because I think this part of the story is important. Um, okay. So the reason why I went to Columbia actually was because part of my thought process was I'm a black woman. Um, I'm a young black woman. I'm going to an institution that's academically rigorous and at the same time, an institution that people don't expect super talented athletes to come out of. Right. So my mm. thought process was if I can prove myself as a powerful student, right, like a strong student, but also prove myself as a as a force in the NCAA coming from a school that no one accepts, expects to see me from, then I could really create something, right? I could really tell a strong story. Mm. Um, so really it was my mission to show that it's possible to be this multifaceted person. It's, it's possible to be successful in that way. And I think that was like the foundation of who I became and why I operate in the way that I do is proven to the world because I think the world isn't comfortable with seeing people who are multidimensional right and this is the reason why people get upset when you know athletes may have political views about something or athletes have other talents and it's like well they're not taking their their sports craft seriously and it's like no they're just a multifaceted person and they can be mm -hmm. good at multiple things um and so the world isn't comfortable for with people being like that and unfortunately for athlete it has the a negative effect where a lot of athletes are not empowered to think of themselves as beyond just the athlete. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, I wanted to be a living testimony of that, um, you know, going to school. And so now when you talk about when I graduated, it was all part of that story. Right. Um, I really wanted to have impact in the sports industry because I do think that athletes are undervalued. I think that athletes are exploited. Um, and so I really wanted to have a seat at the table, but I also wanted to, still be the voice of the people, right? And live in that experience. Um, and so that was what led to my decision to become, to compete professionally um, after college. But I also worked full time um, <laughs> because, you know, in order to do that, I think, I need, in order to have a seat at the table, I needed to understand, I need to be able to talk the talk and walk the walk, right? Mm. And so I needed the the career experience. I needed, you know, I needed the guidance. I needed all those things so that once I got to the point where, you know, these two worlds merged, it would all make sense because I have both, I have that duality, right? So I have, I'm able to, to, to occupy that space fully, right? And so I, I graduated, unlike a lot of pro track athletes, so to speak, I had a full-time job. I've always had a full-time job. Um, so I was training full time, working full time, trying to get experience in the career in the sports industry um, so that I can eventually, you know, like I said, have those two worlds merge together um, so that I could really maximize that. Um, so so that's I want to pause that part in the story because I want you to really like dive into the fact because I don't know how many of my listeners really understand the 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 track and field side of like Olympic athletics as far as like getting paid i guess most people or some people may assume that because you're you're competing at the professional level that you're automatically getting paid mm -hmm. and that 
okay, she's just taking a job just because she wants to be an overachiever. So, but, but in actuality, I mean, I guess if you can share your experience, like what was that process like, you know, uh, working a full-time job and training professionally? Cause I played professional basketball. I was also still working, um, you know, in order to train for my professional season, but that took a toll on my body mentally, mm-hmm. physically, emotionally. Mm-hmm. So I really want you to like go through, you know, talk about that process and kind of like the highs and lows that, that comes with that. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest elephant in the room is knowing that like, although you want to achieve greatness, it's like you're limited to doing that. Right. And mm-hmm. it's counterintuitive for a lot of athletes. Like you want to be the best. Right. And so for me, I think the challenge was, earlier on is balancing the two, right? Where it's like, I really want to be the best in the world, but I also really want to make sure that I'm occupying that space. And then let me just um, back up a little bit. So like with track and field, most athletes, I mean, I was a triple jumper. So like we barely make any money. And if you're African, you can forget it. Mm. Um, And so, you know, which is also another story for another day. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll schedule that for a part two because that's a whole nother. But, but, but that, that, that leads into my frustration where you think about the way brands think of athletes. And it's like, I'm so much more than just somebody that hops on the runway and runs and jumps far. Like I have so many skills that I could add to your brand. But anyway, that's besides the point. And so for a lot of athletes, you know, they're not on contract. Um, they might have a clothing contract or be like, with a, um, a brand, like a, a sports brands club where their travel and training may be covered. Um, and, but it's, you know, I mean, you can, you, you can make a good amount of money from like competitions and stuff, but that's like three months out of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so for a lot of athletes, it's a struggle, like real struggle. Fortunately for me, like I said, I had a career, I had support. Um, so I was able to afford it and fund it. Um, but you know, now back to what I was saying is that this child, like the, one of the struggles that I had was balancing this meant like this mindset of like, I always have to achieve excellence in everything that I do. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, but then seeing people that I knew I was better than be better than me on the world stage, because they didn't have anything else to do, but train, you Mm -hmm. know, they could pack up their whole lives and go train with the best coach in the world. And I couldn't do that. So then I think later on in my career, I had to redefine what excellence meant for me. Um, and, and that's, I think that's what everyone needs to do, right? Otherwise, it becomes this toxic thing where it's like you're defining excellence based on what everyone else wants, but not you. And because of the impact I knew that I wanted to make, I had to redefine that excellence, right? And so what does that mean for Nadia? And I think once that came clearer, once that became clear, my aha moment, I felt like I was unstoppable. So yes, although my performances weren't the best they could have been because I was doing all these other things, I was making so much more impact um, in occupying spaces that I, the whole thing started because I wanted to occupy spaces where people weren't used to seeing people like me so I could change the narrative. And I was starting to do that, right? Starting to have a seat at the table. And that's what, that's what excellence for me was about. Um, and being comfortable with that. And so, I mean, even going to the Olympics, like I had like a injury right after the, the, the same day I qualified for the Olympics in 2019, I was mm-hmm. also training by myself um, without a coach. And if you 
know anything about training, I was ready to compete in 2020. And that was supposed to be my last year. So to have another year added on to that, training by myself, coaching myself, mm. it was tough. So I had to accept that, you know, I'm going to the Olympics probably in the worst shape of my life, but that's not what excellence is about, right? Mm. Um, excellence is about being there and maximizing that opportunity and creating opportunities for others. And, and that's what I had defined it as. So I just had to have a change of mindset and a change of direction in terms of what I really wanted to achieve in the sports. And once I was able to do that, I think it, I would say like the floodgates opened um, for the way I operated and navigated my career. So how does somebody go about finding out what excellence is for them? Like how do, like what are some things that they should be thinking about mulling over? Like the one thing that came to mind as you were talking was like vision. Don't mm -hmm. lose that vision in the long term. But like if there's any other tidbits of, of information or that you could give to a listener out there who's really trying to figure out like they're comparing themselves to others. Maybe they can put them, can find themselves to a box. Like mm -hmm. what is to share with somebody to help them get out of their box and define excellence for them? Yeah, I think, I think a part of excellence that people don't want to admit is like knowing the truth about yourself um, mm. and, and being aware of your strengths, but also your weaknesses. Like mm. that is a big part of it. Right. Mm. Um, and, and so I think, to be excellent, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and really understand what is actually like, what you can actually do given what you have. Mm, not what you wish you could have. Not wish, not what you wish you could have, but what you can mm -hmm. actually do given what you have. And for me, I had been given incredible talent beyond the sport, right? I'm an artist, I'm very intelligent. I have all these other things. And I've also been given this athletic talent, right? There may be somebody that's so much better than me, but they don't have the other things that I have. And so with what I was given, it's my responsibility to maximize that. Mm. And so like, to me, I always felt like if I only focused on track, I'm doing a disservice to my, my multifacetedness, my multi-talent, right? If I only focused on building my career and my, my artistic side, my creative thinking, my entrepreneurial side, then I'm also doing a disservice to my talent. So I just had to work with both of those things as much as I could and make the best out of it. And that's what excellence, discovering what my excellence was about. Hey man, I know it's funny. Another thing that just came to mind was like the parable of the, um, of, of, of the, 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 the farmers and the seeds mm -hmm. butchering it. But, you know, he gave one, one person, 10 talents. He gave one person yeah. five get one person one and then the person with one kind of buried his and said hey this isn't enough I'm not can't do anything with yeah. it that, that that's what comes to mind is I feel like a lot of people um they're in a certain situation they let that situation define them and then they say hey like this is it this is who I am I have um this is what I have to work with and because I have this to work with I can't make anything out of it right but I, but I think that's the power it's like the law of polarity like with every bad, there has to be a good. And with every good, there's bad. So if you feel like you're in the worst place um, possible, if you feel like you're in a certain box, there's something that you need to take from that box that you put yourself in that's going to help you break out into your excellence. Yeah. That, so like that box, air quote box, that they tried to lump you in as an athlete, you use that box as a platform to really spread your message and, and, and really fulfill your vision. And yeah. I feel like there's a lot of people who, 
who who can take heed to that and really apply that to their life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, it's, I mean, and the social media generation doesn't really help either. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where everyone's like, like the status quo and, you know, the standards are set for you, right? It's like, if you're going to be a basketball player, then it means that you should aspire to be a Michael Jordan or a LeBron or whatever it is. And no, you shouldn't, right? Yeah. You should work with what you've been given and make the most of that. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan made the most of what he was given. LeBron made the most of what he was given, right? And you should do the same and what and whatever that means for you. Because I think that when people set their sight on someone else's vision is when they fall short of excellence, right? Because you're operating on somebody else's path. Um, so that's, I mean, that's a big thing for me. So, and then, and then as we start to, to wind out, what's, what's next for you? I mean, you've already defined, you know, um, like you've already exceeded a lot of expectations uh, as in like yourself, right? You've already broken barriers, you know, with excellence. What's next, you know, in your, you know, if you had to look forward five to 10 years, like what's, what are some other things that you <laughs> accomplished? Goals? Or, I don't do that. Through? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't cast like <laughs> five to 10 years. <laughs> what's the next, like what's next like what's the next chapter in your life? I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't even say, I wouldn't even say like that because I've been doing all of this already. Right. It's not mm. even like a next chapter. It's like a continuation of what I am doing. So what I said in the beginning was like, I wanted to operate in these two worlds um, so that when I, you know, once these two worlds merge together, I was ready. And I'm at that point where those two worlds have merged together. Right. And so operating and you know enhancing the sports industry in various ways um and working on various projects to do that and now because i've had the experience um both as an athlete and both in the sports industry i'm well equipped and have a unique voice to do that so that's the phase i'm in now Mm. right it's taking all that knowledge to the next level um, and really building some incredible things um, that the world will soon find out about. <laughs> <laughs> we'll soon find out about. Well, and then if, if somebody wanted to follow you on your journey and stay connected with you, what's the best way for them to get in touch? You got like an Instagram handle? You want them to? to yeah, enjoy? sure. I mean, I guess you can follow me on Instagram at nadeeks, which is N-A-D-E-E-K-Z. Or you could just add me on LinkedIn too, Nadia EK. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, I mean, I, I guess those are the two channels. All right, awesome. And then any last words for anybody listening, any like words of wisdom? If you look back at your, um, you know, your 10-year-old self in Ghana, if you could tell yourself one thing that could, that could help, you know, help yourself um, into the future, what would you tell yourself, your younger self? I mean, it's something that I was told. Um by my dad but you know growing up and I think that's what shaped me it's you know at an early age find out what you're really good at right because it sets you up to have confidence and operate the world with this level of fearlessness because you've already established your identity in something right and I think it's, it's so so, so I, I I find it so interesting because American culture doesn't really foster that in kids where it's like just have fun just have fun yes just have fun but I also think kids should find out what it is that they're good at Mm -hmm. and parents should invest in helping kids find that out 
and encourage them to do it. Um, because I, I, like I said, it just established, you just established this level of fearlessness because you know, you're capable of something. Mm -hmm. And that kind of determines how you navigate everything else. Right. And for me, establishing that I was really good at something, one thing made me try all these other things because I already knew I was good at something. And if I wasn't good at it, I'll try another thing and try another thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's, that's the one thing I would say. Yeah, find what you're good at and build that personal integrity account. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Well, one, I appreciate your time hopping on the podcast. Uh, we'll definitely definitely have to get a part two because there's a, I would like to dive dive a little deeper in that story, man, because there's some gems. There's some more gems in there, but but I appreciate the gems that you've dropped on us today, man, especially you know, breaking the barriers with excellence, man. I love that. That's amazing. No problem. And thank you for having me. Yeah, not a problem. Not a problem. My pleasure. Uh, and I'll be in touch. I'll let All you know right. when that drops. All right. Sounds good. Bye. Are you? Yo, thank you for listening to the Beast Podcast. We hope that you learned something and are empowered and inspired to be a better version of yourself. Uh, please go ahead and subscribe, like, share with a friend, a family member, or anybody who can get some value from it. Uh, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. All right, y'all. Be great.